I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. My big interview today, Mika, world-renowned for his glam pop anthems and iconic falsetto to baritone vocals, is frequently praised as one of the best singer-songwriters of his generation. He became an overnight star with the release of Grace Kelly back in 2007, and his first album, Life in Cartoon Motion, was no less of a success, selling over 5 million copies worldwide. Since then, Mika has continued to produce genre-defying hits, and most recently, he captured the heart of the nation, appearing in Channel 4's The Piano, alongside Claudia Winkleman and classical pianist Lang Lang. Uh, When we met earlier this week, I began by asking him what it was that tempted him to get involved in the reality TV show. That's a really good question. And especially, you know, we didn't really know what it was going to turn into. What was so great about it was that the brief was so open. Um, it was the the kind of brainchild of a guy called Mitch M- Rich McCraw who created Bake Off, and he just said, "I just want you and Lang Lang listening to these people playing the piano, and listening to their stories and reacting." And we we're like, "Oh, okay, that's it." And there was he's like, "There's no winner. It's not about that. It's about people's stories and the reason why they make music and the reason why they go and play in the middle of a busy station." I have to and say, it didn't it was, look like the, the glamorous of locations. It looked like you and, and Lang Lang were sort of yeah. trapped in some ante room in, 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 well, we in, in the train we station. Were, we were, absolutely. We were, we, in one of them, we were in a, uh, we put, they put a sofa in a kind of abandoned um, kind of chain restaurant. And so we were in, in the, it, basically in the kitchens and no one had any idea because from the camera kind of side, it looked really, it looked really nice, but it was in the middle of an abandoned kitchen of a fast food restaurant. The other one was literally like eight meters squared uh, cubicle next to the public toilets. Um, <laughs> it's stuck between a pret-a-manger and a Burger King. And nice. it was, it, but that was what was so great about it because it was really, we felt like we were witnessed these people performing and talking about their lives without them being competitive, without them coming out to seek 15 minutes of fame. So they, they showed up as their true selves and they changed, you know, they were, they were softer. It's so true because one of the things you get really tired of uh, with a lot of reality shows is the sort of um, hardcore competition. And I, I felt that the piano was just chock-a-block full of just incredible stories. I remember the, the boy from the Isle of Wight, you know, who'd had the really difficult yeah, experience with, with drugs and everything. Uh, I wondered for you, in, in the course of the series, who stood out the most? I love Jay. Uh, 
And um, uh, you know, honestly, they, the good thing about Jay on, was that it really meant a lot to him and this whole process. And, and the more he found out what was going on and the more I got to know him, the more kind of open he began to 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 be, and and uh, he he kind of changed. Even the way he played music changed. There was another guy called Sean who was also brought to the Royal Festival Hall, and he changed. When we sat together in a coaching, me and Sean, and we started to play the piano, and he and I said, "Listen, play it really soft. Listen to it." And he started to play, and I was like, "Okay, now breathe and play the piano." And he started to play. He almost started to cry, and he was like, "I didn't know this instrument." could do that i had no idea plays most of the time on a keyboard um in a, you know it goes and uses a, a keyboard and it, it was just it completely changed his whole relationship with the piano and with the way he makes music mm. it was just such a strong human experience and speaking of um musical genius and piano um i mean both those words uh, are, are you know what what are applied to lang lang who is your your co-presenter and i think the other thing about the, this program was that it felt like a really natural unforced chemistry uh, that the two of you had i mean were you surprised and were you a bit in awe of him before you actually got trapped in a, an anteroom next to the public <laughs> toilet with him. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, I, I was. And, and also because not only have I seen him perform as an audience member, you know, I've also watched videos of him. Like He is a remarkable musician. Like, like, he is somebody who has lived his entire life playing the piano. His first performance was when he was four years old. And this project for him was so different to anything he'd ever done before that at first I felt like he was a little bit you know reticent or he didn't quite know what it, where it was going to go and then we started to get friendly in front of the camera because we had never met each other before we met each other walking in to that room wow. and to film and then he started to kind of you know he started to revel in this thing and he he was like oh wow this is there's, there's so many, so many people. There's so much life. There's so much humanity, and he got more and more joyful about it, and more and more generous. And in interestingly, um, you know, you're not that far apart, you and Lang Lang. I mean, perhaps he's slightly got the edge on you as a classical pianist, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and, and, and some might say you're a bit of a, a jack of all genres. But but you know, although you're often described as a pop artist, you are classically trained as a as a pianist and yeah. vocalist. Um, I know that you play jazz too. You, you, you're about to headline the Cheltenham Jazz Festival. Um, uh, you've also <laughs> played electronic music at festivals. So, um, I mean, do you think that that sort of element of diversity in terms of the music that you play is, is actually something very beneficial? Or is it sometimes... You know, people love to put you in a box, don't they? I mean, I don't mean you specifically, yeah, but, it, but it, as an artist, they like to put no, you in no, a no. box. No, 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 and me, and me specifically. I mean, in general, everybody. I mean, we just have this kind of... It's a, it's a blessing and it's also a bit of a challenge. So um, I wouldn't say curse, but it's a blessing and a, and, and a challenge. The blessing is that I'm, I come from loads of different cultures, Lebanese, Syrian, American, but brought up a bit in France, um, educated my whole life in the UK and lived in London and and with this weird accent that comes from everywhere and from absolutely nowhere and I don't even know what I sound like but and it all this mix of cultures and influences also happened in music I started singing when I was and being trained really seriously about I think I was I was kicked out of school I was about eight years old um 
And within a few weeks, I found myself with, you know, a Russian singing teacher. I was trained four or five hours a day. Within a few months, I was singing at the Royal Opera House. Uh, anything from Benjamin Britten to Vaughan Williams to Strauss. Um, and it just, it was classical music. I was obsessed with pop music, obsessed with jazz as a kid, but I was singing classical music. Um, and so all of that is very, it's just the result, all these kind of contaminations of different styles and different genres. It's just the result of life. Mika, you can't say to a woman like me, um, I was thrown out of school at eight without expecting me to go, Mika, why were you thrown out of school at the age of eight? That seems <laughs> a particularly precocious age to be uh, expelled if that was yeah. the case. And how much um, was that and your peripatetic lifestyle, how much did that impact on you growing up and shape your ambition? Oh, it was so, so much. Um, I had, I had so many, I was, a lot of problems when I was uh, in terms of learning disabilities when I was younger and I was unfortunate enough to find myself with quite an intolerant teacher and we had just moved over from France we had had some issues in our family and so it was a, there was a lot of change and there was quite a bit of trauma in the family um, and I found myself in in this school with a really intolerant teacher and I just started to shut down my dyslexia and the symptoms of my dyslexia just got worse and worse and worse I went from having you know being able to sight read to completely not being able to sight read, being able to spell to not being able to read or write. My goodness. Um, and I just started to shut down. Um, and it just, just shows you that the environment can exacerbate certainly learning disabilities and, and make them really kind of spiral. And um, it got to the point where I, I was seen as stupid at school and it was certainly told I was and then and in fact when I left school I I found another way I had my mother was actually with my mom she was just like you need to find something else to do okay you're having problem with math and reading and writing let's just let's leave that aside for a second let's find another way of building up a discipline building up a value system for yourself and music was the way she was like now express yourself with music okay because I stopped I was even I stopped talking for a while to protect myself. I went into myself. I started to sing. I started to play piano and it opened me up. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So what um, you watched people going it, through on the, on the, on the, the piano program was actually yeah. very much, it, but only in a microcosm, what, what you've been through yourself. It was exactly the same thing, different versions of the same of, of 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 a similar thing, and and I think that's why to me it was just so it was it's so important to tell that story. Mm. And it wasn't. Um, the, I mean, it wasn't just your teacher, was it? I mean, you've spoken um, in the past about feeling like a, an outsider at a young age, and, and and also being the victim of bullying when moving to new places, always being the the new the new guy in in the classroom. Um, but not just because uh, of the fact that you came from elsewhere, um, but 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 because of the way you dressed and and presented yourself. Yeah, and also my sexuality. I mean, it, you know, even before I understood what those things were, I was always, you know, uh, that was always such a, a a difficult thing with with other kids in my class. I think, but you know, so many of us go through this. We grow up. Uh, hopefully, we can deal with it. We don't forget it though. You know, it's a, it's a funny thing. We don't really forget that that feeling, which is why I think it's so important to talk about it. How, how attached your your mother, who you spoke about um, rather impressively just a moment ago, um, was Lebanese, and um, I know that I think you were just a year old when you were forced to to leave war torn Lebanon and, and moved to Paris. Um, but Beirut and Lebanon continues to hold a very strong place in your heart. What is your relationship to, to Lebanon still? Because obviously it's not in the best of states even at the moment. It, 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 uh, it's in the worst of states right now. It's, uh, it's a failed state. Um, my dad is American, but grew up all over the world. My dad was obsessed with Lebanon way before he met my mother. My dad actually went to school there. And then, so when he met my mother, he was just like, okay, you'll do. <laughs> then they went back there and they, they, they were living there when they had me. Uh, but then when, when they left, and you're right, it was about, I was about one, one and a half. And it was, I think it was 1985 when they left. I was one in 83. The war was bad, um, and I always felt like my mother and my dad left a little bit of themselves there because they knew that what they were leaving in Beirut and the Beirut that they knew, they they were so afraid that they wouldn't see that again. Mm. So when we ended up in, in Paris after after we moved from Lebanon, we really were in this kind of like bubble of Lebanon, you know, the carpets, the furniture, the food the Lebanese aunties that smelt of cigarettes, coffee, and Elnet hairspray, <laughs> and the gossip, the talk of war, the talk of politics, the occasional, quite occasional crying, the worries, the laughter, all these different things, the masbahas, the worry beads in the hands, the backgammon games, the screaming arguments between old men who had had too much whiskey, who had been accusing each other of cheating on the backgammon board. That that was that became what I Feirouz, you know, the music of Feirouz playing in the background, Um Kasum, that became what I associated with Lebanon, this kind of like so many people who leave a place because of war or conflict. There's you take a bit of it with you and it the it lives suspended in your family home, even if it's in the middle of a place like Paris. 
you know, outside is different to what's inside and the community finds itself and finds its cultural identity with these little trinkets that they've brought with them. You described them um, together very poetically there, that feeling of that thing of, of leaving something behind. I wondered how you feel about the narrative around refugees, which is often extremely intolerant with this presumption that people just get up and leave their home country and their families and everything that, that's shaped them with complete disregard for it and just think oh I'll just pop over there and and and, and make some money you know I mean what what, what do you feel about that the narrative around migrants and refugees I think it's just I mean you said it perfectly it's, it's so easy to kind of like generalize and villainize um and, and and especially to kind of classify everybody as this kind of like very driven, determined economic migrant out for a a better opportunity. It's so complex. Once someone enters refugee status, this is what makes it so astonishing. No matter what the age is, no matter what the sex is, no matter where they come from, so many different reasons. Gender Um, issues. Exactly. The average length of time that someone stays in that status is 18 years. That's that's your whole adolescence into adulthood. That's your whole childhood. There are so many different reasons why someone ends up in that situation, why someone would be mad enough to take such extraordinary measures and such huge life-risking measures. And as a response to that, it's so hard to generalize. And so one of the ways I think that it's really important to, to humanize the refugee crisis you know, I, I did, I've done trips with UNHCR. One moment that really stuck in my head was when I was standing in a, in a UNHCR welcoming center, which is just, it sounds more comforting than it is. It's quite a daunting place. And this was pretty much at the height of the refugee exodus from Syria, millions into Lebanon at the time. And I started to speak to different people. There was, uh, my mother was actually with me uh, because I thought it was, she really wanted to see it. And uh, there was a, a computer technician, there was an engineer, there was a school teacher. But I just stood there and I was like, if I hadn't had this conversation, I would look at this group of about, you know, a few hundred people and I wouldn't be able to discern any differences between them. But going in and just starting to talk, I was like, oh my goodness, this is so, so human. This is so difficult. And yeah, it's and so, it is about uh, putting, complicated. The, putting the, the, the real stories to people's lives isn't it or giving them giving them a narrative um i talked to dame kelly holmes earlier uh, this week um and i don't know if you know uh, but this twice gold medal winning olympic athlete yes, it took her 30 years to actually come out as a as, as a gay woman i it was particularly scarred by her experience in the in the military when she was a, a teenager and was afraid of 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 of, of kind of admitting uh, that she was gay and I, you also took some time before coming out and i wondered what it was that had held you back what what it was that you were fearful of it's not easy. It's not always easy. And it's, it's, you know, I never pretended to be anything I wasn't, if we can say that. I mean, I, I, my, my sexuality was a fundamental part of my identity since forever. And, it, and inevitably, it was all over my lyrics since the very beginning. It was such a motor for writing lyrics. It was always there. 
And so it was, it was there, but at the same time, there was also so many other steps that I had to go through as, as a young adult. Uh, there's, you know, personal ones, um, even, even familial ones, different stages that I felt like I had to go through and that a lot of people feel like they have to go through. And suddenly I found myself in a place where it was just about answer the, answer the question now. I'm like, well, but my music is answering the question in the way that I know how to handle it at this precise stage. No, answer the question now. I think it's, it, it, you know, I got there eventually um, and I think it's good to get there and I'm, I'm grateful for it. I'm not grateful for that pressure beforehand. It wasn't that that got me there, let's put it that way. Mm. It wasn't uh, a journalist pressuring me or or having an opinion on whether or not I was assuming my sexual orientation label. Um, and I think we need to be more sensitive about it. Mm. it, it the, the, the industry has changed. I had things that happened to me that made me also kind of reticent with the past. Are, are those same things happening I think less, at least in the UK and in the US. When you say you had things happen to you, do you mean that you felt that in some way, you know, if you were out uh, as homosexual, that it would impact on your career? Did did people suggest that to you? or uh, 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 People did suggest that to me, but I, I wasn't afraid of that. I mean, you know, you don't... It, my first album had songs like Billy Brown and, and Grace Kelly. I mean, it's just... <laughs> You know, that wasn't what, what worried me. I just think that, that the process of coming out is is different to everybody and it needs to be handled sometimes with, with care. Also really happy that I find that the industry is more tolerant nowadays. We talked at the beginning about the kind of diverse nature of your career and your musical tastes and, and all of that. And I think it's sort of summed up by the fact that the last time people might have seen you um, in, in public, aside from the piano, was in the, the Eurovision interval last time oh. around. Um, and then your most recent project was a film score for the for the French movie Princes of the Desert. Um, you've also been working on your first French language album i think and a new yes. english album um what's, yes. what's driving you mika what do, what do you want <laughs> i don't know and what I, I, <laughs> I want to feel like my ideas and creativity can make me happy i i want to feel that buzz of of coming up with an idea collaborating with people coming up with ideas with other people and then turning them into something and that kind of moment of elation that you feel when you're 15 years old and you're writing a song at the piano and you just feel like you've just transformed something, that makes you feel happy. It makes you feel like a, like a superhero. And I, I don't want to lose that. And if it takes a certain amount of discipline and a certain kind of fantasy and folly to keep that and to procure that in yourself as you get older, because, you know, age is like gravity. It kind of takes your spirit and hammers it down a little bit. And so you have to resist it and stay high and stay a bit mad. Um, you know, that's, I want to, I just, I just want to be happy. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's always about figuring out how. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, 
turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Do it.